many here like until I don't know next month. I don't even know when I'm, I'm off next. But uh, no, it's, it's really good to be here, and hopefully I'll catch up with as many as you as possible uh, today. But, um, but yeah, uh, after service. So this first. Um, but yeah, okay, cool. So uh, yeah, where to start? Oh, it's just so good being here. I don't know. Sorry, <laughs> I'll just go back there. It's really good being here. Just say it for the next hour, and like that, oh, that guy. You shouldn't preach. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, um, did everyone, was everyone here last week? People here last week for Joe's sermon? It's a very good sermon. It was a very good sermon. I, I unfortunately wasn't here, but I caught it on the, uh, on the, um, online. Very, very good. And, uh, and, and I just, it, it was, it's, what's really interesting is, um, obviously he's talking a lot about, uh, purpose-driven life and being active rather than passive and all of this stuff, uh, which is all amazing. I can't repeat it, otherwise it won't be, it will be his sermon again. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, it's, but what I found really interesting is it touches on a lot of what I'm touching on. And what I've also heard is that touched on a lot of what David Campbell said. And what I've also heard is Colin's preparing something that's very similar too. And I know something about David Evans' future sermons where he's touching on the same thing again. So, and I don't know about you guys, but I really believe exactly that God is speaking. And so I want you guys for the next, not just today, but for last week, well, speak, that's gone now, but like the next few weeks, listen to what the preachers are saying because God is giving a message, yes. and it's an important message. And um, I, I just find it really interesting, really compelling. Even in my daily readings, the same message is being like impacted. I'm in like Ezekiel or something at the moment, and it's uh, you know you think, well, what does that have to do with anything right now? But it's it's all it's all melding into one, and God is speaking. And so I, I encourage you, whoever the preacher is, whether you whether you get on with the way they say things or not. I mean, some of you will like the way I do things, some of you will hate the way I do things, and vice versa for everyone else. Ignore that. Listen to what's being said. It's yes. vital. God is speaking, yes. right? Ignore our weird tendencies as preachers. Just listen and focus on what God's saying. Yes. Uh, that's, my, that's my main thing I'd have to say. It's really good being here. Right, so, um, so yeah, uh, God, I just pray you help me today. Uh, thank you for Colin's prayer, and uh, I don't know why I feel like I have to pray again, but I do. So, uh, just yeah, I just pray you really help me again. I'm just a messenger. It's your words, not mine. Uh, help me deliver them as faithfully as possible. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Cool. Right. So I preached ages and ages and ages and ages and ages and ages and ages ago, and that was on Mark. And uh, I'm still there. So uh, because we we only really got onto like chapter one, verse like 14, and uh, we, we're not going to get past chapter one at all uh, for a long time. So, um, but um, but I want, what I want to do, guys, is recap that. Uh, quickly, because it's the, the first part is going to be really important for understanding the next part. Okay, so uh, just really briefly, so Mark. Okay, it's it's one of the the gospels. Gospels. Uh, I I do that because gospel is not a literary genre. It's just it's it's just yeah, it's uh, it's it's like a biography as it were. Uh, but but Mark's account is Peter's account. I don't know if you know that Mark is a writer. He wrote down. He studied with Peter, uh, Peter the disciple of Jesus, and he wrote down everything Peter had to say. Uh, we have. Um, uh, uh, evidence of this in uh, old writings that affirm this, etc., etc., etc. And uh, so, what we're really reading is not Mark's account, but we're reading Peter's first-hand account of Jesus, written by Mark. And uh, Mark uh, is different 
to the other Gospels. They're all different to each other. They all talk about the same thing. They all approach it in different ways. And Mark has his own way. And he's a storyteller, uh, first and foremost. He's energetic. We assume this that because his writings are energetic. It's probably Peter who was energetic, really, and, uh, and which we see because he's absolutely insane when you read his accounts, uh, what he does. And um, so, yeah, uh, it, it's, it, but it, it has a very particular formation still, um, it's not as well-structured as the others, but it's, it's, it's got its own flow. And the two points Mark wants to make in his gospel is, who is Jesus, and what does it mean to follow him? Who is Jesus, what does it mean to follow him? Okay? Now, I want to focus on the latter today, what does it mean to follow him, but what we need to do before we do that is realize that that is really just a response to who he is. So I need to quickly tackle the first one again, just to update you, okay? So who is Jesus? Now, whatever you think about this will determine your response 100%, okay? If you think Jesus is a liar, you're not going to do much in following him, okay? And neither did people 2,000 years ago, okay? People had all sorts of responses 2,000 years ago. You read it all, um, um, so some people think he's a liar today. Some people thought he was a liar back then. They end up not following him. Some people think he's a madman. You don't really follow a madman. Um, some people might. Um, uh, a good teacher. Some people even might have heard this. Oh, I believe Jesus is a good teacher, but I don't believe anything else about that. You know, he's, you know um, like Gandhi or something like that. Um, if you believe this, you're probably not going to follow him. Though you'll probably keep moral, some of the moral standards, you know, the ones you decide to pick and choose. Mark bypasses all of this. Mark decides to open straight away with who he thinks, I say thinks, who he knows Jesus is. And he just sets that straight away. I'm just finding Mark. Sorry, I didn't bookmark it. There it is. I'll bookmark it now. Sweet. This is the good news about Jesus, who is, straight away, the Messiah and the Son of God. Straight up. He's just like, this is who he is. And, uh, and, and yeah, that's, that's it. And then he, he, he basically sets the next few like paragraphs are literally him uh, em- empowering that. That's not the right word. Emphasizing that. Um, so, uh, so he calls him the Messiah. He calls him the Son of God. And then he quotes like two passages from the Old Testament from Isaiah and Malachi, which basically talk about the promised return of God. Which then he talks about John, who is the promised messenger of of, that, of those um, quotes, and that. And then he declares over Jesus that he is the spirit-empowered Messiah in his baptism, right? So a lot of people are like, oh, baptism, this, uh, you know, how can Jesus be baptized when he's, when he's sinless, blah, blah, blah. Ignore that. That's not what Mark's getting at. Mark is, wants you to pick up a more important message that he is the, the Messiah who has the spirit on him, and he also baptizes in the spirit. And the only person who can baptize in the spirit in the Bible ever is God, Okay. So Mark is claiming two massive things. He is the Messiah, and he is the divine Son of God, who is God himself. Okay? And then he frosts Jesus, or I say he did, the Spirit frosts Jesus straight into the wilderness. Yeah? And in the wilderness, he comes across the devil, Satan, whatever you want to call him. Um, Yeah, and and that whole encounter for Mark uh, is different in some of the other accounts. They want to pull out different aspects of it. But for Mark, it's Jesus has come as the Messiah, as the Son of God, to defeat the evil powers that have hijacked our world. Yeah? 
That's, that's, that's his main point. And he wants you to remember all of this. All of this is the backdrop to everything else that happens in his story. When he's confronting the Pharisees, he wants you to know he's not just confronting Pharisees, he's confronting the evil leader of this world, etc., etc., etc. And through everything he does, regardless of what people's response to him is and their own uh, subjective belief of who he is, the objective belief is that he is actually the Messiah and the Son of God and anyone who rejects him is to their own faith, unfortunately. Yeah? Um, and if you believe that Jesus is the Messiah and the Son of God, then something's going to change. Yeah? Because if you actually 100% believe that, then you're going to change and you're going to follow. Okay? And that's what I want to talk about today. What does that even look like? What does it mean to believe? What does it mean to follow? Etc. Etc. Um, cool. So straight after this, so he's announced who he is, he's been baptised, which shows who he is. He then faces the temptation to show what he's come to do. And then he gets to Galilee. Um, Galilee's a nice little sea town around the Sea of Galilee. Uh, it's a very nice place. I had a video of it, but I, I didn't bring it. Oh, well, well, another time. Um, but yeah, uh, basically he goes around Galilee, and this is what it says. It says... Okay, cool. So later on, after John was arrested, so he, Mark dives straight in, it says, Jesus went into Galilee where he preached God's good news, or the gospel. And he says this, The time promised by God has come at last, he announced. The kingdom of God is near. Repent of your sins and believe the good news. Okay? Believe the good news. Now, I want you to realize this. Mark is telling, his whole thing is about the good news. Yeah? It's all about the good news. And the question is, what is that good news? And Mark does a great job. He, he quickly describes, he uses Jesus' first speech to explain exactly what that is. So a lot of the time, um, I don't know if you've ever wondered. I, I don't know. I, I have. But like, what is the gospel? Right? What is the gospel? And, um, and some people would say... Um, okay, well, it's Jesus coming and dying and raising from the dead so that I can go to heaven when I die. That sounds like the gospel. It's part of the gospel. It's not the gospel. Okay? Uh, don't kill me. <laughs> Stone me or anything like that. It's, uh, <laughs> you know, I've walked into the wrong church. This, this guy is crazy. Um, the gospel is exactly what Jesus says it is here. Okay? The time is fulfilled. That's 2,000 years ago now. The kingdom of God has arrived. The kingdom of God has revived. So repent, believe what I've just said, the good news. Okay? The kingdom of God. See, the gospel is not about you or me or some other individual over there or whatever, okay? The whole idea of the gospel is the final arrival of God's kingdom. It's God's God coming back to his people. It's him finally picking up and ruling again after humanity has ruled for so long and messed everything up. Okay? God is coming to restore all things. And this is what we see in Jesus' ministry. All the little miracles and everything he does and all the big miracles, they're not random. Uh, they're not like, oh, look, this is uh, you know, just so you can believe in me. Here you go, woo, you're, you're healed or anything. Jesus is showing what it looks like when God comes and reigns. Okay? He's showing what it looks like to live in a renewed creation where there is no death, no suffering, no sickness, no disease. 
That's what Jesus has come to do and to show. God is ruling through Jesus, right? And he's restoring everything. And so, yes, he did come to die for your sins. He came to um, take the punishment that you deserve um, in your, because you have contributed to the injustice that's in the world. Jesus has come to, to take the punishment for that which you deserve. And he's come to set you free from the kingdom of darkness so you can live in the kingdom of light 100%. But it's so you can be, not, not so you can individually go to heaven, it's so you can be, a, so he will set you free individually to then be a community that then live as God's people in a restored creation. That's the vision. That's the dream. That's what the whole Old Testament, New Testament talk about. A restored creation where everyone is fine, everyone is good, there is no death, there is no sickness, and we're finally restored and not stupid anymore. <laughs> that's, 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 that's the gospel. That's the gospel. So yes, you're saved, but as I'd like to pick up from what Joe said, you're saved for a reason. Yeah? You're saved for a reason. Okay. Cool. And this, this requires a response. This requires a response. Um, sorry, I'm just going to stop. Can someone get me a water? <laughs> Is there a water? Oh, there's a water. Thank you. Sweet. Cheers. How you all doing? You all right? Everyone good? Everyone good? Sweet. All right. Okay. So that's all good. But this requires a response. Yeah? It's always a response involved. Okay? If you just sit and think about it, nothing happens, right? It requires a response. And Jesus says that straight away. He's like, uh, let's just reflect on that. So the time promised has arrived. So the time that God said would finally happen has finally happened. The kingdom of God, or God's rule, has finally arrived in me. And so here's his here's response. So repent and believe. Repent and believe. And what he's doing here is he's calling on Old Testament uh, calls to faithfulness. Okay, so this, this 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 saying has lots of Old Testament stuff woven into it. It's the call where God continues to tell His people, well, "Who's read the Old Testament? Who's read the prophets? Who's read their constant constant cry to just say, just come back and be faithful to me?" Right? That's what He's saying here. Repent and believe is return and be faithful. Yeah, it's Old Testament thing, and basically. It's discipleship, which is what I want to get onto. It's all discipleship. Right, so what I want to do now is, or what Mark cleverly does now, is he's going to then show us what this looks like, okay? Because we could, we could, we could all talk about what does repentant belief means all day long, but Mark's actually going to show us through a series of events, and then he's going to recap it. For the next three chapters, he's going to show loads of different people reacting in different ways to Jesus, right? And then in chapter four, he's going to recap it with a sermon from Jesus that talks about everything that has just happened um, in a famous parable that we call the parable of the sower. Uh, and the first people he wants us to see are the disciples, right? And they're going to show us exactly what it looks like to turn around and believe and follow him, okay? So here's that story. So, one day, as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew throwing a net into the water because they fished for a living, which is kind of obvious when you're throwing a net into water, I guess. Um, Then Jesus called out to them, Come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. 
And they left behind their nets at once and followed him. And then a little further up the shore, Jesus saw Zebedee's sons, James and John, in the boat repairing their nets. And he called to them at once, and they immediately followed him, leaving their dad behind, Zebedee, in the boat with the hired men. End. Cool. That's what we're talking about today. So, what's going on here? What's going on? Well, to be fair, when you, when you look at it, it's rather simple. But, um, but we're going to pick this apart and have a look. So, Andrew, Peter, James, and John. Who knows these guys in the Bible? Yeah? yeah. They're, they're pretty prominent, right? I mean, like, they're four of the 12 disciples. Um, Peter and John have written a lot of stuff. I mean, we're reading Peter's account right now through Mark. Um, Peter's also written two letters. John has written his own gospel, plus Revelation, plus three letters. Uh, it sounds like he's got a bit one, one up on Peter in that sense. Um, you know, Peter was the leader of the early church, the main leader of the early church. But, they're all, but these guys, Andrew and James, you know, they seem to be slightly dumbed down. But these guys are all important. These are the 12 main guys, right? Uh, these are like the head honchos, right? So, like, um, it's like, okay, who really liked uh, uh, David Campbell coming? David Campbell's great, right? I love David Campbell. I really love it. And, 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 you, and, and then you've got all these other guys, right? So, like, you know, d- depending who you read and what, you know, you've got, like, John Piper, you've got Tim Mackey, you've got, uh, you might not know Tim Mackey, um, uh, you've got uh, N.T. Wright, you've got uh, all these different famous preachers. If you think of famous preachers, you know, and you think, whoa, those guys, whoa. And, like, these are the, these are the 12 from the early church. It's even more like, what? You know, these, these guys are, like, outstanding, you know. Um, you know, oh, they're, they're the main, main, main guys, you know, and they, and they lived around Jesus. How cool is that, you know? Um, and so, and, and, and what's really interesting as well is obviously he chooses 12 disciples, right? Chooses 12. Uh, you probably already made the connection, but if you haven't, it's representing the 12 tribes of Israel, right? So the whole idea here is Jesus is calling a new people of God to, 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 to you know, uh, to, to, to to be renewed, you know? This, this is it, you know? When he originally chose Israel. He's still kind of calling Israel, but he's calling a new humanity together. This is what that represents. Isn't that great? And, 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 and who does he choose? Who does he choose? He doesn't go to the scribes and the Pharisees, and, and the scribes and Pharisees are really popular. I mean, I know we look down on them a lot uh, for reasons, obviously, in the Bible, but, like, but they were, like, the, the main leaders of their day. They were really, like, impressive, important people. They were, like, uh, they were, like, the head politician party of their day. Everyone loved them. Uh, they didn't like the, uh, the other guys so much, the Sadducees. The Sadducees were, like, oh, those guys. But, like, yeah, we prefer, yeah, Pharisees, you know, and everyone, you know, a lot of people loved them. You know, and, and, and you had the scribes, and these guys, like, knew, like these, these guys could recite this. They could recite the, well, the Old Testament, because the New Testament hadn't been written yet. But they could recite it. Like, that's impressive, right? Could, can any of you recite, like, the whole of the Old Testament? That would be really impressive. And, uh, you know, I'd, I'd be amazed if you did. <laughs> I'd, I'd be amazed if anyone did. But these, that's what these guys did, you know? And it's just like, whoa, these guys, they know so much. And he doesn't go to them. Um, he chooses fishermen. He chooses fishermen and a tax collector and a zealot and a load of other crazy people. And, um, and, and, and so the point here is, like, straight... So we're seeing the beginnings of Andrew, Peter, James, and John, and they aren't amazing, like... Um, they're, they're Israelites, and they'll know enough about God. You know, they still go to temple every, every you know, Sabbath day and all of that. Uh, so they will know a fair bit, but nowhere near as much as the other guys, right? And, and he approaches them. And uh, he tells them to follow him. And, and, and what's interesting is they're just everyday people. 
God calls everyday people. Um, and, uh, I mean, these guys weren't the, the lowest of the low. I mean, I, sometimes some people get that idea. They're not. They're, they're uh, the fishermen. So they actually earn a decent living. I mean, not like they're not rich, but, like, you know, it's quite okay. You know, I'm, I'm getting by. You know, I'm not poor. Um, you know, the head of a family business, or they were starting to take on the role of a family business. Um, but, yeah, um, but they're everyday people, like you and me. And, and, and Jesus chooses everyday people. Jesus loves to choose people who are weak to shame the wise of the world. He likes to choose the people who are marginalized and looked down on to shame the people who are in power and think they're better than everyone else. Um, it's, 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 it's incredible. And that, that's a good message for some of you today, actually. Um, keep in mind that God isn't calling you to know everything from the start. These guys didn't. And when you look at their story, they're sure as they, they, they don't really follow very well <laughs> sometimes. But, um, but yeah, um, so, yeah, if, if that's a message for someone today, just, um, just keep in mind, you know, he, d- he doesn't expect you to know everything yet. Uh, he just, yeah, he, he's happy to use you, uh, even if you're weak. Um, but, yeah, so, so these guys have their life. It's stable. And, um, and Jesus is literally going to come along and rock the boat uh, um, and literally change their whole entire world. Okay? So there's three main points that I want to take here, or three main points I want to deal with. Um, first is call and response. So Jesus is going to call them. They're going to respond. Second, we're going to look at what that response actually looks like. And third, we're going to realize there's a mission attached to that response that we have to be a part of. Okay? Sweet. So... Jesus calls them. So he's walking around the shore. Brother Andrew's throwing a net into the water because they fish for a living. And Jesus says, come follow me and I'll show you how to fish for people. And what do they do? They leave their nets and follow him. Is that weird? Like, seriously. Is it just me or is, is that weird? Have a think about it. Someone comes up to you at your workplace, says, oi, you, follow me. What do you do? Like, seriously, what do you actually do? I, I would be like, eh. <laughs> and just get on, you know? Yeah, sure. You, you, have a good day, <laughs> you know? That's, that's insane. I don't think anyone does that. I don't think anyone does that. And when you read the other gospel accounts, you realize it is weird, because the other gospel accounts don't say this at all. Um, if you read uh, John's Gospel, you find out that these guys had already met Jesus ages before. They met him when he was being baptized and when they were being baptized. They met him when John, with, with John before he was arrested. So they already knew him, and, and some of them spent a whole day with him. Like, oh, can I follow you and, 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 you know, and, and see what you like? Because they heard John say, that's the one, that's the one. And they're like, oh, you know. And so they're like following him around for a day. So these guys kind of know him a bit, at least, you know. And then... And then you realize, okay, so he's known him in the past, but then when you get onto this story, Luke tells it differently as well. It's not as simple. Like Jesus comes down, he goes to the shore, he starts teaching a load of people, and there's James and John and, and Peter and Andrew, and he says, hey, um, he gets, climbs in their boat and says, I'll take it out, and, uh, and then, and then throw, throw your net in the sea. And they're all like, but we've been fishing all night, and you, in that area, you catch fish at night. <laughs> you don't catch them during the day. And it's like, we fished all night. We caught nothing. Fishing in the day, you're crazy. But you know what? 
we'll do it just because you've said, and we've spent a day with you before, and something about what John said about you. And so anyway, so, so, so they go out, they throw out their fish, and what happens? They get a ton of fish, which probably has uh, connotations of Old Testament I don't even know yet, and uh, probably haven't got time to do it, 12 into with my head. But like, they caught all this fish, and like, they nearly sunk their boats, and they come back, and, and Peter's just like, like he, he somehow gets it, and he's just like, I, I'm, I'm, please just leave, I'm, I'm not good enough. Just leave, please. You know, and then, Jesus, and then Jesus tells him, no, it's okay. Follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. You know, that's a lot more depth, right? Now, what's really weird is Mark is a storyteller. He loves a story. Like, you read any of the accounts that he shares, any of the same stories he shares with anyone else, there's more detail in Mark than any of the others. So why has he missed the detail? And the reason he's missed the detail is because he wants to make it simple. This is about call and response. He doesn't care about the process here. He just wants you to understand that Jesus has the authority to call and that they obeyed. Right? They obeyed. He just wants you to get the simple point. There is a process. He's not denying there's a process. We learn it from the others. But what that process has to eventually end in is obedience to follow. Okay? And he just wants you to get that as clear as possible. It's this simple. There's a call, there's a response. This is how it ends. This is what it looks like when we repent and believe in Jesus. Okay? And so they're the model of the beginning of Christian life. Okay? Now, what does that look like, in a sense? Like, because there's a lot we could take from this, in a way. What does this look like? So let's, let's have a look at it a bit more. So, so when they follow him, when they just follow him, they abandon a lot of stuff, right? One lot leave their nets, the other lot leave their dad, right? Um, it's quite big because it's a family business, and they're supposed to carry it on. Um, so to leave their dad is a bit, is, it's a bit awkward, um, but they leave all this stuff. They basically change their whole lifestyle, right? And so and some people have taken from this, like, oh, you know what? Um, I'll just leave everything I have and follow Jesus. I'll abandon my family. I'll, I'll go and I'll do this and that. The problem with that is there's a text in the Bible that says that if you don't look after your family, you're worse than an unbeliever. Oh, so now how do we pair that? All right? And when you read further, you'll realize that they haven't quite abandoned everything. All right? It's despite their claims that they have as well. I mean, you look at it. Uh, Peter has a mother-in-law. Do you know what that means? It means he's married. Yeah, he's married, and he still keeps it. He still keeps his house because they keep going back to it, you know, time after time. And someone had a boat because how else do you get across a lake, right? It, it, you just don't do it. And then you know, um, that someone had a boat, and even a few. Like I've read some accounts, and I'm like, oh my goodness, there's loads of boats here. I only thought there was one. Um, so people had stuff still. People still owned stuff. People still had families. People still had houses. Um, but they're, but they're claiming they've abandoned everything. So what's going on there? And, 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 and the message is, is not so much abandon everything you have. Okay? Sometimes that's just not healthy. Now, I know that there's a passage, right, that says, oh, but we've left our children and blah, blah, blah. We need to, we need to think about this, right? What is really a child? I mean, have a think, right? I have three children. They're amazing and crazy and annoying all at the same time. I love them to pieces, right? I am also a child, 
I, I, I'm a man, <laughs> you know. Uh, well, you know, I'm, I'm grown up to an extent, apparently, so my wife says. And, um, but I'm my mum's child. That doesn't change. As much as, you know, well, I, I can't say I like that change. Because I'm still a grown-up, kind of, but, like, but she's still my mum, and I'm still her child. And so, and so if, if God told her, Lisa, I want you to go to here or there or wherever, and I want you to do my work and that. And she says, oh, I couldn't possibly. God, what about my poor boy? I need to look after him. And, oh, I'm like, Mom, I'm good. Really, I'm good. You know, it's okay. You know, it, it, I, I don't need, I'm, you know, I've got a wife, I've got kids, I've got all this. I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm kind of like man of my own house or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, I'm good. You know, I don't need that. You know, she's free to go do that. She doesn't, she knows she doesn't need to look after me. She'll miss me, but she knows she doesn't need to look after me, Right? Right? Whereas if God told, well, uh, whereas if I said, oh, I'm going here and doing this and abandoning my wife and my children, that's a different thing. You know, abandoning a three year old is different to abandoning a 30 year old. Yeah? And there's a lot more involved, you know, like police and other things, right? Okay? So, you know, social services, right? So, so there, there is a right child to leave and there is a wrong child to leave. Oh, oh, oh yeah, are we good with that? Yeah? Yeah, right, okay, cool. So there's a right and there's a wrong. So there's a way to look after a family. When my kids are grown up, I'm pretty sure I can leave them, and I look forward to that day too, you know. <laughs> right? But, you know, <laughs> bless them, I'd love them. <laughs> but, you know, it's not, it's not abandonment without thinking. There, there, there's a love to it, right? If our whole lives are orientated on love, we'll know what we should leave behind and what we shouldn't, and we should... We're, what we're doing is we're abandoning things that have a hold on us that will prevent us from doing what God is calling us to do that is not your young family, okay? Um, usually, people take their young families with them when they do these things. Um, but, but anyway, I digress. So, um, so yeah, it, this, this, is, this, mess, this is not about abandonment. I think, I think that's the wrong way of looking at it. This is about allegiance, this is about total devotion to Jesus. That's what this is. Okay, it's not anything else. Okay, um, and and this is this is big. This so so what we've seen here in the call and response and and, and they're leaving behind. They're leaving behind, and their allegiance is we're seeing what it looks like to repent and believe. Okay, and I think. I think we get confused with these words sometimes. Not everyone. I, I, I don't want to put anyone down or anything. It's just what it is. You know, we learn. We, you know, we, we grow up in our own environments, right? We learn different things about different words, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. A lot of people have come to a conclusion that to repent is to get really emotionally down, to feel really sorry, and just be like, "I'm so, I'm so devastated." God, I finally, you know, and, and, and we wait for that moment. We're like, I can't repent now because I don't, I don't feel like it. But when I finally, when I'm finally sorry for what I've done and I feel really remorseful, I'll, I'll repent. And that's repentance. It's me being really, really sorry and then guilt-ridden for days on end until finally it all comes about. And, and you know, and uh, sometimes we laugh about that, but it's true. That's, that's what a lot of people think. People do think that way. And that's not what it is. And it's sad because people get caught in this trap and, and it's not... It's not helpful or healthy. To repent, I'll demonstrate it. It's this. I'll do it again. Okay? That is repentance. And to believe is this. I'm not doing that again. But I have to do that to get back here. So. (laughs) 
right? That's repentance. It is literally means to turn back, to turn around. Uh, I, I read something this morning. It's, it's, it's to let go of believing in one thing, and then to believe is to then reattach your belief to something else, right? It's to, in, 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 in a lot of cases, it's to let go of belief in yourself and to attach your belief to God, right? Repentance is to completely change. It's not just a change of mind. It is a change of action, of obedience, of where your heart is. It is just a complete and utter turnaround. That's repentance. That's what these guys are doing. There's nothing evil about fishing, <laughs> okay? But, but these guys had that attachment, and Jesus needed freedom from that attachment. There's a lot of other problems they have. Don't worry. There's a lot they get to deal with later. But, but you know, Jesus changes everything. And it can physically happen. Sometimes he'll leave you in your job. Sometimes he might change your job because of his call. Whatever. The point is, it's a complete detachment from one thing and attachment to another. And then what is it, what is it to believe? And, and here's another problem. There's another trap, okay, where we think that belief is when I intellectually acknowledge that Jesus has died for me. That is a trap. I'll tell you why. Right? There are a lot of people out there who intellectually believe that Jesus died for them and are not saved. They are not saved. Jesus says it. Jesus says it, right? Um, um, all these people come to him, right? And uh, it's one of his parables. I'm going to badly paraphrase it. But they come to him and they're like, oh, we did this and we cast out demons and we did this. And he goes... Guys, I, I don't know you. I don't know you. But they're like, but we called you Jesus and we know you're Jesus. And, but I don't know you. I don't know you. I'm, I'm sorry. I don't know you. That's, how do we deal with that? The problem is we intellectually say, I've seen people fall because of this. I've seen people fall and miss, lived up messed up lives and think they're okay because of some prayer or something they said years and years and years ago. And, 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 and their life's no different to, to... Sometimes it's worse than other people's. I'm just like, man, I can't, I can't give you assurance of salvation when you're in this state. You know, I'd love... I, I want you to change. God says that, right? I don't, want any, I don't want any wicked person to die. I want them all to turn and know me. Unfortunately, it's not going to happen to everyone. But Jesus, God wants it to, you know. But and, and, and what's even worse is, you know, it's, it's, it's worse than being in unbelief state. Because in unbelief state, you just rejected God. But in, in this state, you've kind of, you're not with God, but you think you are. And that's terrible. How terrible is that darkness when you think that darkness is light? That's terrible. And, and it's really hard to then convince people to turn around. Belief is not an intellectual sense. It involves it. I mean, you need to think things through. Okay, We're not told to be irrational creatures. We are to be rational. Um, but belief, I think this is the great... But belief and faith are, are the same words in, in, in Greek and Hebrew. And um, I, 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 heard that, I, I thought this was a really good way. Faith, this is from someone else, faith is not a leap of faith. Faith is a leap of action. Faith is not a leap of faith. Faith is a leap of action. Okay? It is not what I think. It is what I do. Okay? Joe said something really cool about this um, last week. Um, that Jesus isn't a thinker. He's a doer. Yeah? And uh, you don't think your way 
you know, um, you don't think your way forward. You, you have to act. You have to act. You have to act. There are two brilliant examples of this. First one's Abraham. I like to call him Abe for short. And, um, and is everyone good, by the way? Sorry. Everyone good? Hi. Okay. Abe, Ram, um, don't know how many of you know this. He was a Babylonian first. He was a Babylonian. He was an idol worshiper. Right? It says it uh, somewhere in the New Testament, actually. Um, he used to worship idols. And God entered his world and told him, listen, okay? Now, you know the facts. Um, you know, you're, you've got stuff to inherit and blah, blah, blah here. And, uh, but I tell you what, I want you to move from here to this other land really, really far away. I promise it's a really good land. It's a really good land. Trust me. And I'm going to give that whole land to you. And you're going to have tons of children, like tons of children, right? And they're going to be like the dust of the earth. You know, have you tried counting that? No, good. But it's going to be like that. And, um, and, 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 and that's really good, right? Because right now, I mean, yeah, you're inheriting stuff, but also your, 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 your wife can't have a child and stuff like that. I mean, she's barren and you, I, don't, I don't know. But like, you know, but, I'm, but follow me and we'll, we'll get everything sorted, right? And he does that. That's, he, he leaves everything. Everything he's known, all his family, all that. He takes his wife and some of his possessions and stuff. And uh, there you go. There's another thing. You don't abandon everything. And, and he goes into this other land, ready to settle in. And he's a foreigner there all his life. The other, the other thing God tells him is, you're personally not going to see any of this. But just trust me, it's going to happen. Right? I mean, even while he's there, he's like, well, I've been here for like X amount of years now. I still don't have a son. It's like, how's this even going to work, God? And then God, like, takes him out and gives him the night sky thing. Everyone knows that story, right? He gives him, like, look at the stars, count the stars. Your children are going to be like the stars. And then you get the famous bit where he says, he believed him. Yeah? Abraham was credited with righteousness because he believed God. And a lot of times we think, oh, there you go, intellectual ascent. He trusted God, and that was, no. If he didn't trust God, he would have packed up his bags and gone home. Because he's a foreigner in a country that's not his. Right? And as much as it pains me to say, no one likes foreigners or has liked foreigners throughout the ages. Foreigners have always been oppressed in every culture, in every civilization. They are the minority, and unfortunately, they are still today persecuted and, um, and, and hard-pressed. And it's not good, it's not fair, we don't agree with it. But that is unfortunately the reality. He is a foreigner there, he has no rights whatsoever, he is probably hated and he probably just wants to go home, right, where he's not hated. But he doesn't. He has faith, and he says, okay, I've got to this point, and I've doubted, and now you've promised me again, I'm going to stick it out. And he sticks it out so much that he asks for his bones when he dies to be buried there. When you die in that environment, in that culture, you do not have your bones buried anywhere but your homeland. He had his bones buried in where he believed his homeland would be and his people's homeland. And we know the progression, right? They became the people of Israel. God kept his promise, right? But that's what it looks like to have faith, to not abandon, to bail out, okay, to keep going, okay? So it wasn't the fact that he intellectually ascended. He had to do that in some regard, but it's the fact that he stayed put and he kept going. Another brilliant example is Elisha, right? Everyone know Elisha, right? The more famous one before him is Elijah, right? 
And uh, Elijah has this, like, this big encounter with God on a mountain, right, after he does a load of other cool stuff. And God basically tells him, right, um, you're going to go at some point. Um, you're not going to die. I'm going to take you up a really cool, fiery chariot, which just sounds awesome and like Lord of the Rings and all of that. But, you know, <laughs> but before we do that, you need to, you need to do some stuff. Appoint that guy king, appoint that king, and get yourself a disciple, mate, because someone needs to take over. And so, so he walks by this, this farm, right, and there's Elisha. And, and he's got 12 teams of oxen. That's a lot of oxen, right? And owning oxen back then is, like, it's like really cool, as in, like, it's, 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 like, the most expensive thing you can own, right? And, and he has, like, what, 12 teams of them? So at least 24, right? 24 oxes, at least. You know, and he's, he's, in, he's in the 12th carriage, and they're all riding around and doing their farm stuff. And, like, and then, like, literally... Elijah passes by, chucks on his mantle, and apparently that just means follow me back then, I don't know. And then he just kind of walks. And, like, and then Elisha stops like the oxen cart, he dives out, and he runs after him and says, yeah, 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 That's, I'd love to follow you. Let me just quickly go back and uh, say goodbye. And he's like, yeah, I don't care, whatever. And he, <laughs> he kind of keeps walking. And so Elisha then runs back, and, um, and then he does the most surprising thing. <laughs> He takes all the, the, the carts and that off the oxen, he smashes them to pieces, he lights it all on fire, he gets the oxen, slaughters them all, cooks it on the fire, and gives everyone a nice meal, and says, great, goodbye, and then walks off. <laughs> He's got nothing to go back to. Do you understand? He's got nothing to go back to. Right? This is, again, an example of believing. It's, it's, or even repenting and believing in some cases. It's, it's, it's even demolishing some stuff in our lives in order to follow. You know, these guys are excellent examples. There's some excellent stories uh, in the Bible about this. But it's all about giving our full allegiance to Jesus, okay? And, 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 this, and this is interesting, right? So, so if, 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 if repenting is letting go of one load of things and attaching yourself to a new thing and then walking and actually doing, because faith is not a leap of faith, it's a leap of action, then we... Then, then, Repentance and belief is ultimately about doing something. And, uh, oh, great, we're doing something. What are we doing? That's a good question. Okay, cool, I'm, I'm ready to walk and do. What is that? Jesus has a good answer. Of course he does. Of course he does. Come follow me, he says. I'll show you how to fish for people. You know? Clever wordplay by Jesus. <laughs> Clever wordplay. Um... We basically understand this, right? It's catching people for God, right? I mean, that's, that's, that's the basics. But there is a bit of an undertone to it as well, which I'll quickly explain. Um, this, has not been said, this is not the first time this, this has been said um, about a, a fishing metaphor. Uh, there are fishing metaphors in the Old Testament that relate to this. Does anyone... I'm just going to do a bit of a pop quiz. Does anyone know what that is? Has anyone... Do you know what... God has used this model before um, about fishermen catching people. Do you, does anyone know what Old Testament sort of meaning that has? You don't have to. I mean, if, if you... Fair enough. That's fair enough. I was just wondered if anyone knew. It's judgment. Judgment. Several times it's used, especially in the prophets, um, to speak of invading people who God uses um, to catch his people with fishing hooks, with nets, and to drag them away to be judged which uh, isn't, isn't a nice thing. Um, to be fair, if you're fish and you're caught, it's never a nice thing, I'm sure. Um, but yeah, uh, that's, that's the actual undertone meaning to it. 
Um, that's what it means in the Old Testament. That just can't be what Jesus means. <laughs> okay. But there, there's elements to it. And uh, what, what was really interesting about this whole metaphor is the sea in which the fish are caught. Does anyone know what the sea means in the Old Testament? There's actually a meaning to the word sea. And it, huh? That's a, that's a good answer. Um, it's not, <laughs> but that's a good answer. Water is definitely about the Holy Spirit. The sea, however, uh, in fact, you say that, Holy Spirit ho- the Holy Spirit hovered above what at the beginning? The sea. The sea. Right, Genesis chapter 1, the Holy Spirit hovers over the sea. Yeah? The sea is told it's raging waters. It's absolute chaos and disorder. And what's really interesting, it's always held that meaning, not just in the Bible, it's held that meaning throughout all generations across the similar time, Mesopotamia, Egypt, all of that. Everyone believed the sea was a state of chaos. In fact, they believed the world was birthed from sea. There were giant monsters, and then the gods were birthed out of that, and they slaughtered all these monsters, etc., etc., etc. The Bible doesn't hold that view. (laughs) But it does recognize that the sea is a state of chaos and disorder. And then what does God do with it? He creates order and beauty and goodness. He creates purpose and life, right? He, He tames all of it, and he makes it into something good. God can make goodness out of chaos, right? Always, right? And that, that's, that's the idea here. And then, and, then, and then he gives humans some level of control. And what happens? Yeah. We plunge it back into chaos and disorder uh, through our rebellion and a, and a greater spiritual rebellion behind that. It all gets thrown back into chaos and disorder. So what does he do? He elects a people, Israel, to bring it back out. The whole point of Israel is they're supposed to be a countercultural people who don't follow the same wells of the world. They are ordered. They have laws that actually protect. You know, I said about foreigners being um, um, treated harshly and all that. They had rights in Israel. That's great. They had rights, and women had rights, and, and orphans had rights, and lots of different people. The poor had rights. Everyone had a right. And, every, and it was supposed to be this land of justice and goodness. It was supposed to be a world that was ordered and good, and they were then to reach out to their neighbors and bring them in. That's not what happened, unfortunately, because Israel completely rebelled, and they went into their own chaos and disorder, right? And then God fished them out for judgment. But here, we're all in our chaos and disorder, but instead, Jesus wants to fish us out, not for judgment, but to be safe. We're in a hopeless mess of chaos and disorder, and Jesus wants to fish us out and place us in a good place, right? And what's really interesting is, yes, he's called these guys first, but Jesus isn't going to be the one doing this forever. Right? He appoints them to do it. It's your job. Right? It's your job. That's massive. Right? Uh, 2 Corinthians 5.17 is, um, uh, therefore, if anyone's in Christ, he is a new creation. So you guys have already been saved from your chaos and disorder. He's brought you out afresh. Brilliant. Absolutely Brilliant. And then, uh, the rest of 2 Corinthians 5, 17, so you're you're, you're a new creation, and then you're then declared ambassadors with a message of reconciliation for the rest of the world. You've got a job to do, guys. You know, there's action here. There's something to do. You know, I'm reading Ezekiel lately. Um, Ezekiel, right at the start, I don't don't know if you know, he's declared a watchman. You know what a watchman is? They kind of stand on, like, the towers, and if, like, a battle, uh, like, you know, an army or or someone approaches, they call down and go, watch out, guys, something's coming. And then, you know, he declares him a watchman, and he says, listen, Ezekiel, 
right? If I tell you to say something, you better go say it, okay? Because if you don't, if you don't say something, you know that danger is near, and, and, and you don't say anything, they're going to die in their sins. And if they do that, you're responsible. But if you tell them, and they still refuse, they will die in their sins still, but you'll be fine. Because you've listened to me and you've done your job. There's a level of responsibility here. Okay? That feels, feels quite weighty, right? <laughs> feels like, okay, uh, I don't know. I don't know if I really want to sign up for this anymore. Right? Uh, it's, it's crazy. Right? And sometimes we feel so unequipped to do this. Right? I don't, I'm, I'm not an evangelist. I'm not an evangelist. Not really. Um, I, I could name a hundred people who are better than me at telling other people about Jesus. You know, my mum's a great person at doing that. Um, I'm, I'm not. I can't do it, Lord. And then then we become like Moses, some of us, maybe, where Moses says, you want me to save save the whole of Israel from the nation of Egypt? You are kidding me. You're kidding me. No. 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 I can't. can't. I'm a bad speaker. I'm this. I'm that. I'm ugly. You know, it's not going to work. It's just not going to work. Look at me, you know. And, uh, I mean, he riles up God a bit. But, like, God's like, who formed the mouth? I'm sorry, who made you in the first place? Uh, who made the parts of your body? Who made all of this? You know, um, the answer is me. So, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm, I'm with you. You don't think I'm abandoning you. You're not on your own. And I think that's what we need to know. We're not on our own when we do this. It's not like, oh, I've saved you, and you're all good, and now get out there, and I'm going to read a book or something. You know, he's with you. And so, and, and this is what we're going to learn through the rest of Mark, that Jesus is going to train and equip his disciples. He even says it. He says it right here. I will show you how to fish for people. I'm going to, uh, the, the Greek word there is something to, like, to, to help to become. He's going to fashion. He's going to mold them, right? Um, and, and he'll mold us. He'll mold us. Maybe, maybe we haven't seen a lot of growth in that area. Maybe we haven't seen a lot of people saved around us. Maybe, maybe we kind of feel like we want to sometimes, but just kind of chicken out at the last moment. Like, I, can't do, I can't do it. I'm not, I'm not qualified or good enough or, or whatever. Or, or when you do, you're like, oh, I think I really messed that up. Oh, I should have said that, not that. Oh, my goodness. They, they're going to hate God forever now. I'm, I'm, I'm terrible. You know, um, Jesus is going to train you up, you know. And, and, and I think this is really important because... We're not going to be perfect at first. These guys are fishermen. They're not scribes and Pharisees. They don't really know a lot. And they especially, since the scribes and Pharisees don't even know a lot about what Jesus is doing, I feel sorry for these guys. <laughs> you know, they, they've got a lot of things to change. There's a lot of change. Um, they have to change their minds about a lot of things. They're going to relearn a heck of a lot of things. Um, and they do a great job, actually. They do a great job. And I'll tell you why they do a great job. Because... It's not the fact that they do things perfectly. It's the fact that they just get on and do it. It's the fact that they get on and do it. And I think sometimes we feel like, okay, well, let's just quote, slightly backtrack. So, okay, Jack, you're telling me, like, okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so obviously, Jesus got the Holy Spirit, and he pours out the Spirit on us, right, in order to empower us to do his work. But then you might be like, well, Jack, I don't really feel the Spirit in my life. I'm going to be honest with you. I mean, maybe I think I do sometimes, but like, I definitely don't feel him helping me help you know, witness to this person or help me you know, warn this person or help me do this thing. I, I feel like on my own most days and, and stuck in the same mundane cycle. And I think a lot of it, I'm going to be honest, 
uh, honest for myself as well, I think we compartmentalize more than we, we think. You know, like, oh, I'll give this to God, but I won't give this. You know, oh, I'll, you know, I really still want to hold on to this part of my life or be in control of this thing, but I'll give all God all that 100%, or, but I really want to, I really, I need to keep, I need to keep this. I can't let go of this. I think I would die if I let go of this. We do that a lot, you know, um, sometimes without thinking about it. Uh, sometimes it goes on in, in the unconscious sometimes, you know. And um, I, I really believe, and, and I see in places where people give their full allegiance to Jesus, they gain full power to be what God wants them to be, right? It's like God will help you, but you need to, you need to hand it over, you know, I mean, like, I can't learn something at work, right, if my mind's somewhere else and I'm doing something else and someone's trying to teach me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it, it doesn't work, you know. Um, if I give my full allegiance to Jesus, he's going to be faithful. Like, we saw Abraham and Elisha both gave their full allegiance to Jesus. Abraham inherited everything in the end, you know. Even though he's, he, he died, he's going to, you know, he's going to be with us again one day. He's going to see it all if he doesn't already see it all, you know. Um, by God's goodness, you know, uh, Elisha, he did double the amount of stuff that Elijah did. He was like, like, whoa, that's Elijah, but Elisha, you know, because he gave everything. He gave everything. Jesus tells us to do this. Give everything. Take up your cross and follow me. Just ditch everything else. Follow me. Give me your full allegiance. And, and, and it, and it, and it, (laughs) I don't want to oversimplify it because God is, God is amazing, and he is not simple, and life is far more complex than I'm even able to describe or understand myself. But, um, but that seems to be a key element. And, and there's another thing we need to realize. Um, I mean, we're pretty much done, but like, uh, there's another thing I want to realize. is It's not a one-off. Um, you learn in one of the other Gospels, uh, John the Baptist is baptized, and a load of Pharisees comes to him, right? And they, and they go, uh, you know, and, and, and like, I don't know, they question him or something, and John literally turns on him, and he's like, who the heck warned you to come here, right, and get forgiveness? Who warned you guys, right? Um, he's having a go at them, and he goes and calls them snakes and some, some other not nice words. I mean, like, you know, it's a bit harsh, John. <laughs> and, then, and then he says... The best way I can paraphrase it is keep repenting. Keep repenting. It is not a one-off. Every single day. Uh, the, the Shema, the Jewish Shema, which is a prayer of allegiance, it actually it, it includes in it, um, help me to remember you every day so I don't turn and follow my desires at any one moment. Right? It's constant, constant constant, again and again and again. It's repetition, repetition, repetition. And this is a thing we need to understand about discipleship. Because I've said before, it's not intellectual assent, right? Uh, I think we, we, we often think the more we know, uh, maybe the better I get. But we know that's not true because no matter how much I know, I seem to keep messing up anyway. So, so what do I need to do? It's imitating and practice. We are not people who are first and foremost thinkers. We are people who are first and foremost feelers. We are emotive creatures, and our desires latch us on to things that our minds try to but can't always break us away from. Okay, um, we're emotive creatures, and so and 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 this is and this is what discipleship is about. This is what faith is about. It's action 
following action, 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 action. I haven't said it enough, action. And, uh, and, and it's every day. It's every single day. It's every day realizing I'm probably going to mess up today. So I really need to spend like, um, like five minutes with Jesus or something before the start of the day because I feel like I'm just going to go right off course. Right? I've done that. I've had mornings where I haven't prayed at all and my life feels, sometimes it feels okay. Most of the time it feels terrible. But when I devote my time to Jesus in the morning, even if it's for a minute or two, and just say, look, I, you know, I, I need you today. Help me, please. You know, things go better. Yeah. Not perfect. <laughs> I'd love everything to be perfect, wouldn't we all? But uh, that day will come. That day will come. It's coming. But right now, you know, it, it's steady growth. Um, we think knowing about God or learning about God is, is like learning something like music theory or complex algebra or algorithms and blah, blah, blah. It's not. It's, it's, like, it's like playing an instrument. Some of you can identify, identify with me here. It's like playing a musical instrument, right? Like um, when you pick up the guitar at first, I'm going to be honest, you suck. That's just what happens. I did. I was terrible when I first picked up a guitar, right? Uh, it, it happens to everyone because no one knows how to do it at first. But you learn and you practice and, and, and you find out quickly, right, the people who, who will drop out, right? They're the guys, oh, I don't know, my fingers, uh, I can't, I, whatever. And they'll never amount to anything that way in, in terms of playing guitar because they've given up. But, like, if you, if you do it, like, every day or as often as you can, you know, you, you constantly go over, you finally learn that song. And, you, and, and before you know it, I mean, at first you think about it, don't you? Like, oh, I'm thinking, oh, no, I missed that chord. And then eventually you start playing it, and, and, and before you know it, you've realized, oh, I didn't think about that at all. Driving a car is probably a better one for a lot of people, right? I don't drive, so I can't perfectly relate. But, like, you know, when, when you first drive, right, you're thinking about it, right? You think, oh, check my mirror and do this and blah, blah, blah. And before you know it, you can, like, hop in a car, um, think about all the things that happened at work that day, and go, oh, and before you know it, you're, in, you're at home. And you're like, oh, okay, fair enough, and you just get out of the car, right? Pe- can people relate to that better? Yeah, okay, sweet. <laughs> cool. <laughs> right? Because you've practiced it. And so it's no longer here, it's just here. You just, it's just automatic, right? And, and, and that's, that's the point of faith. Faith is every day imitating Jesus, doing the things he did, right? He's all about justice. He's all about love. He's all about mercy. He's, he's an amazing God, right? It's doing the things he did and practicing it. And when you're practicing, you're going to mess up. not going to lie. You're going to mess up and you practice. I still, uh, today I helped out. I still mess up, you know, uh, on, on bass or guitar or whatever. I still mess up, but... but you just keep practicing and practicing. It's because I haven't practiced for ages in all fairness. But, you keep that, but that's what I mean. You keep practicing and practicing and practicing. And before you know it, it's like second nature. You know, the amazing musicians are only amazing because they put in the hours and the time. You know, that's it. And, so, and, and, and then we see something. We see something really interesting. The laws of God that were written on stone are no longer written on stone. They get transferred to your heart. Yeah? yeah? yeah. We walk with the Spirit every day and... Sometimes I think we confuse this as well. Sometimes I mean, like we think, okay, this God is going to write the laws uh, of uh, Spirit's going to write the laws of God in my heart. Where is it? Where is it? You know, I'm waiting for like a boom. Ah, I'm perfect. You know, and it doesn't happen that way. The Spirit. We're supposed to walk with the Spirit every single day, and day by day, we, we, we imperfectly, imperfectly, we're not perfect. We'll mess up. But, but he, he, he perfects it. He, he works with us as long as we're willing to continue, right? 
And every, t- every time, every day, we, we're going to want to do this. And so a lot of us do this and go this way again. And then God's like, nope, okay, let's turn around. And, and it's just, oh, this is hard. And you're like clutching the floor, right? You're like dragging yourself along. I can't do it, you know? Um, but, but you're learning. And before you know it, you're doing that without thinking about it. And maybe sometimes doing that and then just, but then going back the way. You're training yourself. It's so important. This is, this is what it means to have faith in God. It is not just, I believe in Jesus. It is, I, I believe in Jesus. I'm walking this. And no matter, and, it, and, it, and it's countercultural. People won't like it because you're different. Right? This is, and, and other people will talk more about this. I'm going to end it. But like, we live in a world that, that, that is going one way. And it's hard to go the other way. It is really tricky. There are some times that we, we, we overlap with the world in terms of our priorities and in a good way, like mercy and justice. You know, it's not just Christians who are fighting for mercy and justice, let's be honest. There are people out there who are fighting for mercy and justice, justice, some of our friends, some of our colleagues, right? There are people in the world who are trying to do good things, and, and we can accept that. But there are other times where they say, oh, this is the way things are, and we just have to say, no, I'm, I'm sorry, no. I'm sorry, no, I, I, I want to help you, I want to do that, and I want to help that person, but I cannot agree with that, and I will not bow down to that. We live in a weird world where we are, in a sense, exiled. We're waiting. We're, 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 we've tra- been transferred from one kingdom to another. We are walking one direction, and, and we are just waiting for, that, for God's rule to be complete. God is ruling, unfortunately, at the moment. Other powers are ruling at the moment, including humans and spirits. Um, that's another talk for another day, but like... So, so it's imperfect at the moment, but one day everything will be fully realized. And we're going to come out on top, and it's not about treading the other guy in the dust. I want everyone to be saved. And so that's why our mission is so important. That's why we need to train and practice, because, hey, the show's coming up. And the show may come up tomorrow for you, and you, you may have to perform for someone, right? And, 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 and I advise you to do it regardless of how well or bad you do it. <laughs> the point is we do it, and we let God do the work and train us right uh, I, I could go on I really could but I'm not <laughs> I think I'm pushing my time so um, so guys I, I want to pray um, if, if people who want to do the communion want to just start getting up and, and getting that ready um, I think this would be a bad thing if I didn't present talking about the gospel <laughs> to, to not um, encourage some sort of response to the gospel um, so I want to say, guys, look, if, if you're here for the first time today um, and, and you've never thought much about this before and, and, you've, and, and maybe some of this has been like, oh, wow, okay, and maybe you want to commit or something, I just want to encourage you, like, at the end, well, while, while we're doing the communion and the last song and, and at the end, oh, me and some others will be around. Uh, if you want to come down and talk to us, we'll be ha- happy to pray with you to help you in your new commitment with Jesus. And, uh, and, and encourage that. Uh, anyone who, who doesn't want that and isn't saved uh, or, or isn't a Christian and, and just wants to know more, you're welcome to come down and talk. I'm not going to convert you or push you or whatever. And if you're already a follower of Jesus and you looked at some of this and you'd like, you know what, I, I don't want to commit that fallacy or I don't want to get caught up there. Oh, I'm not doing great here. Um, you know, uh, I, I encourage you, don't be embarrassed. Do come down, talk with us. I would love to pray with you and encourage you in your faith and your walk. Uh, that's what we're here for, right? We're not here as individuals. We're here as a community to encourage and love one another. So um, 
Um, so I'm just going to pray a general prayer, and if you want to commit in any way, shape, or form, come talk to me, Colin, June, whoever, and, and, and we'll pray for you and uh, help you the best we can, because uh, we love you. All right? Cool. Uh, let me just pray. All right, Father, Father God, uh, I just want to thank you for your word today. Um, this isn't my word, so I'm just going to reiterate that. There's, none of this is really me. This is all you. This is all your word. This is all the Bible. Um, and yet... Uh, I'm giving a particular message that Joe has picked up on, that, that Colin will be picking up on, that David will be picking up on, and it's, it's just going to keep going. I pray, help us to keep listening. Help us to, I think the message is just help us to detach from this world. It's so easy to get caught up. It's so easy. And sometimes it feels so innocent, and we realize we're robbed at the end of the day. Jesus, help us, please, to commit, to realize what we're here for. We're here to be your disciples. We're here to do incredible things. We've got an incredible inheritance ahead of ourselves. So help us to be self-controlled. Help us to walk away from this world, which you've already freed us from. You freed us from it. We're now free to walk with you. That's not. Please help us and encourage us not to use our freedom in you to go back to what's wrong, to go back to the world. Help us to live counterculturally and with love as best as we can. Please change us, Holy Spirit. We pray. I really pray that. Change our church, change our town, change Harlow, Jesus. And help the other churches in this town as well. Help us to become, you know, come one together and, and, and see good things happen here in Harlow. I pray it for our nation. I pray it for the world. Please help us, Lord Jesus. It's only by your power we can do anything. Amen.